Welcome back to the Hippie Haven podcast. You're listening to the first episode of 2020. I'm Callie, zero waste activist and public speaker, creator of Bestowed Essentials, a line of eco-friendly home and body products, owner of Hippie Haven Shop, the first refill store in South Dakota, and of course, host of this Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to this podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. The show notes and full transcript for every episode are available on my website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. This episode is made possible by Hippie Haven Shop, the new retail side of my company. If you're a frequent listener of my podcast, you've heard me talk about Bestowed Essentials, of course, and I did an episode recently of the changes I've made in my business, so that Bestowed Essentials is now specifically our handmade production line of eco-friendly products that we sell wholesale to over 150 stores across the U.S. and Canada, and Hippie Haven is the name of our online store and our new brick-and-mortar store in downtown Rapid City, South Dakota. No matter where you live, you can get the zero-waste essentials you need by shopping our online website, hippiehavenshop.com. Thank you for supporting our female-run small business. My guest today, Jen Sugarmeyer, is a recovering alcoholic, eating disorder survivor, and domestic abuse survivor who is now a coach, speaker, and author helping others claim power over their lives. She shares her journey through addiction to recovery. She debunks common addiction myths and offers advice on what to do if you or a loved one is experiencing addiction. Let's get into today's episode. So I'd love to hear your story, the long version from start to finish. Tell me about your background. So my addictions really started when I was 12 years old and I had um, an eating disorder. And although I didn't realize I was kind of fueling this monster. Um, but I really had learned at that point to live a double life. I knew that eating disorders, that that wasn't common mainstream. And it wasn't something I wanted to openly talk about with people. And so I, I learned to keep this life hidden from everyone. And, and that was a good five years of my life where I was really struggling with, with food and, um, and it's, it's an addiction, you know, and, um, that was a really, really tough one for, for me to get over. And, you know, as I look back through my timelines, I, I just went from one addiction to another. And when I got control of one, another one would creep up. And it was several, you know, it was was over two decades where I was dealing with something that I was battling with. And I, and because I had learned from such an early age about having this double life, it was almost like it didn't exist. And, and I went through my entire life with this other life and, and that I never really acknowledged. And the person that was in front of you was the person who I was, but I would only allow you to get so close to me because I was keeping this other person hidden. So I thought it didn't exist, but it really did because I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't let people in. And for my, my drinking really started to get out of control. I would say in the last 10 years, and that's when I had acknowledged that I have a problem and I, and I need to stop. And, and it, it was, it was a decade of failed attempts. It was every Monday was, you know, a, a, the 
idea that it was a, a new beginning. And, you know, really every day I'm like, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. You know, but every Monday you're like, I got it like this week, this is the week, you know, and it was just one failed attempt after another. So, so, and then, you know, with, you know, addictions and, and some of the mindsets that, that kind of opens up to a whole nother level of, of, you know, it's a, it's a symptom of a problem. And so I had all these other problems that I was dealing with as well. Talked about my eating disorder, you know, my alcoholism, um, you know, domestic violence is part of my, my story. I mean, there, there was a whole lot of things that I, that I dealt with. So, um, coming out and being where I am today is I think nothing short of a miracle. So, um, but I think that's kind of the long and short, but it was, was well over two decades that I was dealing with something in some capacity. And I understand that the turning point for you was seven words that someone said to you. What were those words and how did they affect you? Yeah. So I had a lot of lows, a lot of lows. Um, I was in and out of jails and hospitals and, I mean, just really horrendous things. And that anybody looking, peering into my life would have said that has to be her rock bottom. And it was someone I had finally started to, to date someone. I said, I think I'm ready. And, and I, I really wasn't, but we had this discussion after about four months of dating and we both came to the table and said, okay, if this if this relationship is going to proceed forward, we both got to work on some things. And he looked at me and he said, Jen, you've got to learn to love yourself. And those were the seven words. And, and I swear it was like, it was this moment like where the sky opened up and I should have had this sky open up moment so many times, but I didn't. And I think I just paused there for some awkward, like what felt like 20 minutes, just like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, he's right. And like, it wasn't that he said anything I didn't know, but he approached me in a manner that it, it, it it touched me. I was, I was ready for him to scold me, you know, well, if we're going to proceed forward, you need to stop drinking because you're terrible blackout drunk. You know, that's what I was used to. And for anybody that did actually see my life, which was, which was infrequent, but it happened. And, and he approached me with love. And so it was like a whole nother, he just cracked me open emotionally. And, um, so that's what it was. So what does your path to recovery look like since then? So I committed myself on that day. And I I told him after I have, I literally have no idea how long it was, but it felt like, it felt like 20 minutes. I was just sitting there like, oh, frozen. And I told him, I said, I am committed to you. I'm committed to us. And most importantly, I'm committed to me. This is literally what I said. And most importantly, I'm committed to me and I am, I'm going to do this. And, and, you know, I have said many times, like I'm committed to this, but it like never stuck. And, but I told myself that day, like, no, this is it. Like Jen, cause I was very suicidal and I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to live anymore. I, I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to die. Like I just was like stuck. You know, I, I hated who I was. I didn't recognize the person in the mirror. And so, you know, when, when he, when I now felt some of these emotions that I really had never felt because I had been masking them for decades. Um, I, I started to basically work 
this program. I didn't really realize it at the time, but I, I started to just meditate and self-reflect and, and really just get inside me. I had always masked. I hated how I looked, you know, so my eating disorder started, like I hated to feel. So I drank I w- or whatever I was doing, you know, I, I, I wasn't in tune with myself at all. So I started and and I've actually trademarked um, my program now. Um, The program is called Reset, which is also the book that I've written that's coming out. Um, But I I went through a whole lot of steps. And then I I actually at some point I said, well, this is this is, you know, this program is working for me. I think this is so I I wrote about it, but but it was it was getting to understand, you know, what, what are my triggers? What anger was a huge thing. I had no idea how angry I was. I mean, and I, and when I tell people that they're shocked, but I had to give myself like trigger words for every time my blood pressure would go up. And I was like shocked. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so angry all the time. But I was trying to control situations, you know, Oh, people on the road, you know, or whatever. And so, but it was really that whole process of, Getting in and getting in tune with myself, which I had never done before, and it brought everything to a whole nother light. And I, I really was committed to. I was going through a whole lot with detoxing, and and that's a whole. Uh, oh, I couldn't even re- like for four months. I couldn't even remember anything. It was just I was such like a mess. But um, but it was such an amazing process to like look inside for the first time and and just fight, face things. Why do you feel this way? You know what's going on here. So, um, so yeah. I mean, my I I worked this program, and um, and I boiled all that down, and I've I've put it in this book now because I really all I want to do is help others um, because there I think there are so many that are out there that are like me that could benefit from it, but. You know, anything that's toxic, I, I would tell listeners if, if, you know, where where do I start? Look at what is negative in your life and let it go. Let it go. Work on your anger, anything weighing you down. So those were some of the first things. And I, I was a minimalist before. Um, and then I took minimalism to a whole nother level. I'm like, if you don't serve me a purpose, it's gone. And I did that not just in physical things, but you know, across all areas, people, places, things, ideologies, all that. So how have you stayed strong and motivated yourself during the hard moments? Um, you know, I, I think sometimes you, you just have to, to tell yourself, um, you know, the whole fake it till you make it thing. Um, it's, There are there were years and years that I told myself I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. So I now have to reprogram my brain that I am worth it. I am worth it. And so sometimes you you might not feel, you know, uh, the best. Right. But you have to tell yourself, like, you are worth it. You will do this for you. There is a better life. And and you just kind of have to tell yourself that. Put sticky notes, whatever it is. But you're you're unraveling years of self-hate. And you know, and, and I and I got very spiritual during this time and I relied very heavily on my higher power and just getting in tune with that. Um 
so it was it was the self-love. It was just telling myself, even if I didn't believe it and relying on my higher power um, and staying connected with other people, people that are going to uplift you. Um, and, and, you know, I I didn't I didn't work like a 12 step program or anything like that. But I think that there is a lot of value to those programs and finding people with commonalities um, that are also trying to uplift themselves because you'll find a whole lot of strength within those groups. What resources do you recommend for people who are struggling through similar situations? So if it was, like I mentioned, the the groups, I think are very helpful. There are, the nice thing about the internet and all of these apps, um, they're, they're, it's so easy to access. I mean, you might be in a remote area and it doesn't matter. You can find people. I'm, I'm even networked or I'm even linked up with this group on Instagram. I mean, and people are so supportive of when we have birthdays. And when I say birthdays, I mean like our sobriety birthdays. Um, but yeah, just getting out online. Um, there's there's an app called Lifelink and and it's a, it's a sober community um that's that's a good one um again instagram um anything on the web there's um i'm part of a group called shatterproof i'm actually an ambassador for them and they're unbelievable um they've got so many resources they're, they're really on the the front line of the opioid crisis that's going on right now that's been all over the news um, they're one of the, the top um, uh, nonprofit organizations. It was actually the, the gentleman who created the organization. It was his son, and I believe it was three years ago. Gary Mundell is his name. Um, his son overdosed, and so he committed his life to fighting stigma and fighting, you know, bringing, bringing educational resources and light and visibility to um, to addiction. So, and that's kind of across all areas of addiction. I think they're most commonly known with, with opioids, but um, yeah, there's so many great resources out there. It could be within your own community, like physical groups. And I, I remember back in 2014, I went to this group and it was an eating disorder group and I didn't have a problem with eating at the time. But I went there and I cried and I, you know, we go around the room and, and everybody introduces themselves or whatever. And I just started crying and I said, I don't know if I should be here or if I should be an AA or if I should be with a therapist. But when I look at where all my problems started, it was here. So I wanted to come here and, and I was just, I was received with such, you know, open arms. And, and I think anybody who's struggling, if you go to any kind of, you know, I could walk into Cocaine Anonymous and, and I would be welcomed. And and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't limit yourself to, well, that's not my specific problem. If people are trying to better themselves and that's what you can find, go plug yourself in. So mm, I love that. Yeah. Anybody who's on that same path can be really beneficial to you. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that you have a coaching program. What inspired you to become a life coach and help others? Um, you know, I I would have given anything um, to to have gotten out of where I was, and I felt so alone. 
Um, and we're not, we're not alone. I'm a corporate woman, you know, and I was dying in front of everybody's eyes in the office and I didn't feel like I could, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know where to go. I didn't feel like I had resources or I could raise my hand and say anything. And, and, you know, I, I do believe in the program that I, that I walked because I'm sober and I continue to work through my program and it keeps me sober. Um, and so, and, and I believe that it will work for, for people, not just with addictions, but people that are looking in the mirror and saying, who the hell are you? You, how, how did you get there? And, and that's where I was. I mean, I, I just picked my head up and said, oh my gosh, I'm in my mid thirties. And I like, I looked at the face in the mirror and I had no idea who it was. And so, and, and I, and I want, I am an open book. And when I talk to people, there's this relatability that I want to be able to give to them for them to know that it's okay. You're not alone. And there there is a better life because literally if I can do this, you can do this. So that's where I really, and it's funny because I always wanted to help people my whole life. And I thought it would be more of an academic. I would go to school for psychology and, you know, and all that. I didn't think it would actually be me going through this life journey and helping people that way. And so I think it, it kind of came full circle that I've always had a heart for people and I believe that my higher power gave me this journey so that I can help others. What are some common myths about addiction? Oh, that uh, it, it, it happens to only a certain, let's say, demographic of people. Um, that it never could happen to people in corporate. Um, that... Um, Maybe it's something we choose um, versus it being a disease. Um, you know, maybe that we don't care. I will tell you, <laughs> nobody was harder on me than I was. And so when people told me nasty things, you know, Jen, do you remember what you did last night? Or, you know, it was, it only fueled the hate that I had inside inside of me addicts you know we we might you know go for that high but when we have those moments of clarity we don't want to be there um and it and it doesn't discriminate addiction does not discriminate it doesn't matter how much money you make don't make what sex you are how old you are when it gets you it gets you so I think those are some some common myths that and that's why I've become so vocal, because I really want to help smash all the stigma that's around that um, and help pave way for others. What advice do you have for someone who's currently struggling with an addiction of some form? Um, I would get on your knees and and I would let go. I would get out of the driver's seat and um, and I would ask your higher power for strength. Um, and I would really, you know, I, I would get plugged in with a group, talk to people. Um, I think that's, that's a great resource. 
But you individually, in addition to getting on your knees and saying, look, I can't do this anymore. Because I'll tell you, Jen Sugarmeyer tried to drive her bus for a long time and I failed and I failed and I failed. And finally, I said, you know what, I, I can't I can't do this anymore. And it's funny because when I gave up control is when my life started getting in control, as crazy as that sounds. But I I gave up control and I became in tune with myself. Um, I, my, my symptom was, was alcohol or whatever I was dealing with, but my, my, my symptom, I kept trying to treat. The problem was me. I needed to get in tune with myself and I needed to peel the layers back. And I, and I talk about this in my book about how I dated myself. Um, and by dating, I mean, like if you were in a relationship with someone and, and I, you know, what, I mean, think about it. What would you do in a relationship? You would get to know the person. You would ask what they like, what they don't like. You might buy them special little gifts or do something sweet or, um, you know, make a special dinner from time to time or, you know, go see a movie or treat yourself, right? All those things that you would do in an actual relationship, I did with myself. And some of it was forced. It really was. Um, because I, I had, you know, I had never gone down this road with myself ever. I had no idea who I was. I didn't know what I liked. And, and so, but I was the key to everything. So if, if you are struggling, let go of that control, ask for help and really just dig into yourself and, and get to know you. And I talked about negativity. So huge. So those are three tangible things that I would say um, is, is an amazing place to start and I always encourage people to talk to others just just to get it out there. Sometimes we got to get things off our chest and it's great to talk to friends and family, but they might not be able to relate as somebody that's going through or has gone through what you're going through. And and even if it's just an ear to listen and they say, yeah, I get it. And you're like, oh my gosh, they get me. I mean, it can, it just, it's like so much peace of mind. So finding somebody or, or a group to talk to is amazing. And for my listeners who haven't experienced addiction, but maybe they have a loved one who is currently going through that, what advice do you have for helping somebody else? Yeah, I, it's, it's tough and I, and I get it. And I talk to a lot of people all the time and the reality is you can't make somebody want to change or want to live. Right. So and, true. and I, you know, I, I just went through this with, um, with someone who, you know, lost their mother and, um, and she had really brought her mom back to life and, and it was very traumatic. And this is a very dear friend of mine. Um, and it was very traumatic for her. And she's like, I did all this stuff. And, you know, and then now my mom's back out there again. And, and, um, and it was hard for me to watch. Right. And because as, you know, as, as family, pe people want to help. 
but there's a fine line between helping and enabling. And, and there are actually resources out there for families um, as well of, of how to deal with addicts. Um, but you, you, the message I would communicate is you can't make somebody live. You can't make somebody want to live, but you can show them that they're worth living for. And, and just showing love and compassion while keeping your own boundaries, because you are a variable in this as well. And if you are always giving, 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 then you're not protecting yourself. And it's, it's, it's a, I, I know some of that sounds kind of harsh. You know, this could be your mother, your brother, your son, and but I would give the world to them. Yes, but they need to figure some things out. And you, and I believe everybody, everybody needs to take care of them themselves. And if we're not at our best, then it's hard to give our best to others. And so we have to have healthy boundaries with people regardless of the situation. But yeah, it's tough. It's really tough with family members. Um, but showing them love and compassion, again, I said it before, we already know. We, we as addicts know that we're not right. We don't want to be in, in it, it's, it's the, it is the absolute worst. It is like living in hell. You are a prisoner in your body. And sometimes you have control of your brain and sometimes you don't, and you're on this roller coaster. It's, it's terrible. But we know deep down that it's not where we want to be and we are hard on ourselves. So just like that gentleman that said, Jen, you've got to learn to love yourself. That's what you, what I would recommend as a family member is just showing them that they're worth it, but make sure that you have healthy boundaries in there for yourself so that it's not an enabling situation. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but one where, um, you know, it's, it's beneficial for, for both of you where they're getting love and you're also able to, you know, maintain your boundaries there. And Jen, where can we go to learn more about you, your Reset Coaching Program, and your new book that's coming out on February 11th? Well, the neat thing with the last name of Sugarmeyer is I am the only one. So Jen Sugarmeyer, sugar is spelled with an E. Um, so it's jensugarmeyer.com. It's Instagram, Jen Sugarmeyer. It's Twitter, Jen Sugarmeyer. It's Facebook, Jen Sugarmeyer. Um, but I would say jensugarmeyer.com on the website is probably the best place to find information about the coaching program, um, get on my VIP list for um, the upcoming release of the book. So that's where you'll find most of the information um, and how to reach me and all that. And, and uh, there's some inspirational stuff on social media as well, but the website's the best one to go. I'll be back next Wednesday to talk about narcissists how to recognize them, how they affect you, how to avoid them, how to communicate with them if you can't avoid them, and how to recover from their abuse. If you know someone who'd enjoy the Hippie Haven podcast, share it with them or share it on social media. If you post on Instagram, don't forget to tag and follow me at Hippie Haven Shop. This podcast is produced with the help of my community manager, Kelly, who also runs our Hippie Haven Facebook group. You can support the work we do by leaving a review for the podcast in whichever app you're using to listen, or you can buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. 
Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash hippie haven to support the work we do with just $4. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you have a great rest of your day.